Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. One day after Oklahoma barely survives UCF, 31-29, the Knights with a failed two-point conversion try with under 90 seconds to go in the game. Oklahoma, ah, it was uh, it was a bit bit hairy there for basically the entire day, but the Sooners survive and 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 improve. That's the right word to seven and zero on the season. Lee Benson here joining you alongside Grant Benson in Minnesota, and it was a day that I was at the game and. Norman, Grant, I know you were on the golf course, I believe, through most of it. So a, a, a weird one for you, I'm sure. Uh, explain to the listeners your experience in taking in the game on Saturday. Yeah, so I, um, I'll be totally honest with you. I mean, as an OU football game, or as, as an OU football fan, and a game like that going on, yeah, I mean, I was, I was up north in Minnesota at a, a golfing weekend trip with, with buddies, um, you know, one of those things, your, your friends ask you to go on a trip. You, you, you say, yes, it's, it's good to be around friends and everything. And, but, uh, I was on the golf course, Lee, and it was about 50 degrees. It was kind of a, just a very light drizzle the entire morning and, um, about 20 to 25 mile an hour winds the entire time. And I had very, very shoddy cell service the entire time. So it's funny. I actually, I only played the first five holes of the uh, of of the course when we got there, and then once the OU game started, I did not I, I did not play any more golf. The rest I just I just rode in the uh, in the golf cart, and uh, I'll be honest with you, Lee. It was as an OU football fan, a game like that that was going on where they were kind of fighting for their lives. Plus the like the weather I was in, and just the cell service, like YouTube TV was going in and out. I was an absolute hell as an OU fan yesterday. That was. Um, not super fun, but also there's parts of me that is kind of grateful that that's how I watch the game because as I'm kind of searching my feelings today and like after the game, I'm just super pumped that they won. I'm really happy they won and kind of reading message boards, listening to the Sooner Scoop postgame podcast afterwards. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are very negative about this game and um, I'm kind of grateful that I am not. I'm just happy they won. UCF played really well. So I think, uh, number one, <laughs> mentioned the weather there in Minnesota, uh, completely opposite, as I'm sure you know, in Oklahoma. I mean, it was, it was in the mid-80s. It was beautiful. I mean, we're you know, mid to late October and just beautiful, beautiful day. I'm sure the UCF team and fans felt right at home because the weather was uh, tremendous. Uh, aside from that, though, yeah, I, I think there's you either have a glass half full or you know a glass half empty approach to this. And I guess you can go somewhere in between, but that's kind of boring. I mean... In the world of college football, in the world of sports in general, that was a really good spot for UCF, a smash spot, if you will, which we pointed that out in the preview podcast. We both did. And at the same time, it was not a great spot for Oklahoma. Uh, the only part of it that was like, okay, this is not that bad or this could be worse is that they didn't have that bye week coming after the Texas game. So it wasn't immediately after the Texas game. So there was some time for them to celebrate but also get their heads right, you know, going to play a UCF team at home. But overall, it was a great spot for UCF where the Knights are or were going in, you know, this part of the year, three in a row, had lost three in a row. Uh, you brought up how this was a fulcrum point in their season. Which way is it going to go? They can, can play well, get a big win over Oklahoma, and that could maybe, maybe slingshot them into, you know, maybe, maybe eight or nine wins this year. Uh, they lose a game after getting blown out by Kansas, and then they, they could go the other way. UCF played really well. And to your point, Oklahoma, fortunately, won the football game. It was a great spot for UCF, not a great spot for Oklahoma. The Sooners still find a way to win, trailing by a touchdown in the fourth quarter. That all being said, this Oklahoma team is good. Yes, it is. But uh, let me go ahead and dig into my bag of cliches. There's a lot of work left to do. And perhaps, actually, as excited as you were after the Texas game, 6-0, and thinking, okay, everything's ahead of Oklahoma, which everything still is ahead of Oklahoma this season. Perhaps the Sooners are actually maybe still a little bit ahead of a little bit ahead of schedule, the way things are going right now, uh, because uh, that was a game where, yes, like we said, like I said a moment ago, it was a good spot for UCF, not a good spot for OU. Still, it's a game in which the Sooners they cannot be scratching and clawing 
for a win in that environment against that team. So in that sense, I'll be a little bit negative, but I, I'm with you. I'm happy the Oklahoma got the win. I'm happy they're 7-0. and And the Sooners have every single right, Grant, to just flush it and come right out here uh, a week from yesterday in Lawrence against Kansas and play a lot better football and potentially make us totally forget about the way Oklahoma almost lost to UCF. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where it's kind of unique for me where I just, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, I, I probably saw... 90% of the snaps in this game, all of them in extreme pixelated standard definition. So it was mostly me just kind of following shapes on the screen. And <laughs> oh, man, uh, that sounds awful. I, I, I obviously knew that the offense did not play particularly well. In this situation, doesn't really bother me that much because I've seen them play really well against much better defenses. So I know that they have that gear and I know that that's there. And um, I, from what I saw... Outside of about five plays, the defense was really good from from my perspective, from what I watched. And uh, and I hate like and I know I know that was a line that we used a lot, especially in the last regime when Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch were here. Um, but in this in this case, I, I think it, it kind of showed up in my eyes. They had 13 tackles for loss. Um, I thought they did a, a, a gen- generally a really good job with UCS run game. UCF came in averaging over 250 yards a game on the ground. OU held them to 149. Um, they got about 40% of the rushing yards on one play. Uh, and that was that, you know, that it was basically their first kind of run play that got them out of the, out of, out of quicksand in the first half UCF that is. Um, and then I, you know, UCS offense is just a bunch of trick plays. That's what it is. And the big long touchdown pass that they gave up, I, you know, not a great play by Woody there. And it, it's, but that play is nasty. That that play is if it's called at the perfect time against the perfect defense, that play is not defensible. Um, and no, that's that's not a trick play. <laughs> that that was that was just a that's uh, a nasty RPO. It's a nasty RPO is it's, what that is. I mean, it's a situation where that was that was just a, a horribly bad play by Woody Washington. He got paralyzed. Exactly. He got yeah, paralyzed that was, by the. That was either an yeah. eighty-six yard touchdown or a fifteen to twenty yard run. By Plumley. That's what that play was. No, it wasn't. No, because there was uh, Reggie Pearson was coming down in, in the alley on Plumley, and Reggie Pearson tackles him because Plumley is still not healthy. You could tell he can I mean, he was definitely better than two weeks ago, but he still can't move anywhere near what well, he's he's able to move. And uh, that play would have been if Woody would have done his job and been on him. That play would have just been stopped unless he breaks a tackle. But and maybe I need uh, to watch I, it I again. I guess and and obviously like I just told you how, what my. And I haven't rewatched the sure, game. I sure. just I just drove back from Obadiah. I just got back thirty minutes ago. Okay, okay. but there's um, I just I, I I saw I was able to see I saw the replay of it numerous times. I didn't I don't remember seeing Reggie Pearson at all when I was watching it. I and I like I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Woody was the only guy on that side of the field that I saw. Okay, so I yeah, thought they just the did a really good job of catching OU in a wrong defensive call. They called the perfect play against that, where Woody was on was no, on was, was in no man's land. No, he, I mean, it, it wasn't, I mean, yeah, if it was a situation where it was just Plumley, the receiver, and Woody, then sure, and he had to make a decision, but that's not what it was. I mean, they, they motioned the guy over, Pearson was on that side, didn't, it wasn't man, he didn't go with him, and so it was two on two, and so basically, once he didn't hand it to the running back, and it was just, it was two on two, Pearson was on Plumley, and Woody just got paralyzed by it, and didn't trust that Pearson was going to do his job. And it was it was bad. That's you can't that can't happen. But that is that is that is a classic. That's that's Gus Malzahn's like signature play. I mean, that is his Auburn scored on that in the 2013 Iron Bowl, that classic game where they returned the kick for a touchdown to win it. Uh, they, they scored one of their last touchdowns on offense on that exact play. Um, I, I just I. I don't know. I think that play is just completely nasty. I think that play is obscenely difficult to defend. I just I don't remember that at all. I know they mentioned it on the broadcast, but that that play is not hard to defend. I mean, they, there's nothing there's nothing to it. It was just they tried to overload one side of the field, and if you're yeah, I mean, you got to play man to man on a really good receiver, and that's that's always difficult. But they had they had guys for it, so I mean, I don't. Maybe there's other parts of that play where they, they do other things with it, but that particular version of it was nothing special. Uh, Woody Washington just got stuck in the mud. He got paralyzed by it, and uh, it was a really, really bad bad defensive play that can't happen. 86-yard touchdown, that's, that's horrible. The play that 
that bugged me that I watched over and over again that I was just getting kind of frustrated about was that little pop reverse that they ran a few times that they got chunk yards on every time. Um, that's I mean that play oh, could t- not I mean, hold the edge. They could not hold contain multiple times. Yeah, that's a trick play. I mean that's that's pretty. That's that's basically kind of wing T in the shotgun is what that is. And it's uh, I I'd, I'd be curious to see if they've run that play before this season because you would think if they've put that on tape, that's an easy one where you're like, oh, you we gotta watch for that one. Um, every time they ran it, it seemed like OU, especially the edge defenders, had no idea what was going on. So, um, but other than that, I, I it, it felt like when you when UCF was just running their regular stuff, they didn't really have any success whatsoever. Yeah, I mean the defense overall was good. Uh, like you mentioned, I think you said about five different plays that it was not good. The, the issue was, um, I'm I'm not gonna. There, yeah, there were five, maybe more than five plays. I mean, the whole the last drive where UCF scored, I mean, there was that can't happen. I mean, they had them in third and long, and then fourth and ten, you give up a touchdown. That's you can't. That cannot happen. And that's like old time Oklahoma defense with with Alex Grinch and Mike Stoops and Ruffin McNeil. That's really bad. Uh, but very but, very bad. But 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 you got to give credit to the defense because they came out on fire. I mean, UCF four straight three and outs. The defense was doing its job, and the thing is, this is. If the, if the offense does its job getting great field position all throughout the first quarter and only converting one touchdown, if the offense goes ahead and, and you know, scores, you know, makes some field goals, gets some touchdowns, make this a, a two, three possession game, it makes the defense's job even easier. And I don't think the defense is put in that spot later in the game. So the defense did its job to start. And also, it's, it, it did its job, for the most part, in the fourth quarter to get the ball back to Oklahoma to go ahead and get that, you know, that I guess it was a one-possession game, but at least go up by eight. So, I mean, overall, yes, the defense was, was good, aside from a few plays. Uh, the offense was, was certainly inconsistent. Yeah, I, I think what I'm trying to say there is that this game was close, and we were sweating it at the end because of the offense. It wasn't because of the defense. So I thought the defense, I, I, th- I even think maybe the most interesting storyline of this game is just how they started. If the offense came out just, as, uh, just as, as sharp as the defense did, that was a situation which we talked a lot about last season where you could have put UCF out of their misery, like right away. And that's, like, that's, how, that's how dominant the defense was on, the, on those first four possessions. And, and the offense was just kind of out of sorts. And, and I'm sure we'll get into the kicking game and all of that. But... Um, I look at that and, and I think, yeah, it's just like you, you would really like if OU is firing on all cylinders, especially after that four, three and out that they forced from UCF, uh, you would think, I mean, it's, if that game is 21 to nothing, which, you know, you would, if, if the offense is firing on all cylinders, especially with the field, field position they had as well, it was a failure that they had to settle for field goal tries anyway. Um, yes. it always is. Yeah. If anytime you're kicking a field, you failed. You're it's, it's a bad drive. And unless you're going to win the game. But um, I, that's the one thing that's kind of disappointing. But also, it's, it's, we've seen the offense play at a high level against better competition. And so um, how, how much of it is do we just kind of tip our cap? to? And it's like obviously an acknowledgement that OU is not, they're not a perfect team. They're not a great team, probably. It's not, but I don't know. I'm, they're, man, they're 7-0 only for the third time since 2004. So yeah, uh, four possessions for Oklahoma in the first quarter after the defense is able to get them the, the ball on multiple three and outs. And here's OU starting position, those four possessions in the first quarter. Their own 45, the UCF 40, the UCF 45, and Oklahoma's own 48. And they only got seven points out of that and two missed field goals, two missed very makeable field goals. And I think this was a perfect example. This game is the first time it really hurt Oklahoma. It didn't hurt them, you know, as much as it could have because the Sooners still won the game, but it hurt Oklahoma not being a good running team. They can't run the ball. And that's, I think I was wondering, is, like, is UCF's pass defense actually pretty good or is it just nobody passes on them because they can just run the ball down their throats? And I think we might have learned that they have some pretty good secondary players and they're pretty good defending the pass because Oklahoma could not run the football and they couldn't really throw the ball that well or that consistently either against the secondary that had some guys with some length it seemed like and and looked like they were pretty smart defending Oklahoma's passing concepts and so not being able to stick with the run not being able to run it uh, no Tawi Walker personal matter he was not even available uh, so it was Marcus Major and Gavin Sachuk and uh, both of them had their moments kind of later in the game but 
uh, they could not run the ball, and I think that is a big reason why the, the offense sputtered because it just it wasn't consistent. There was no flow, and aside from the you know the, the early touchdown pass to Nick Anderson, uh, it was kind of like what is going on here. And then obviously another touchdown pass to Nick Anderson when they needed it. Uh, that yeah, it's just it was just a very uneven day from the offense, and I got to give them credit though. I mean that giving up that long touchdown, the defense uh, to trail 14-10 before halftime. Oklahoma got the football back and went down there and was able to tie it up, and at least Zach Schmidt made that chip shot field goal. Uh, but uh, I know I'm, now I'm at this point, I'm kind of going all over the place uh, as I'm thinking about that drive. I think Oklahoma got bailed out. I, I think DG, he threw that pick in the end zone. I think that was a bad call. I don't think that was a pass interference. I know you probably haven't seen the replay of it yet. I uh, didn't even see that play at all. There was not, I didn't see okay. the Nick Anderson second touchdown live. I was in a dead zone. Gotcha. So I, um, I didn't see so any that of was. That I mean, that was before that. That was before that gave Oklahoma a, a fourteen to ten lead. That was a nice drive. Bang, bang, bang. They they're running the ball pretty well on that drive. And then uh, Nick Anderson got behind a defender and uh, easy touchdown. Great job by Gabriel too, uh, seeing it. But then you know they gave up uh, you know, the the trick. You know you, you call it a trick play. You know the eighty six yard touchdown. Where by the way, uh, again I know it was tough for you to watch. Brent Venables was mad about that because Javon Baker about the 25, 30 yard line. Okay. Like blew a kiss or whatever. Uh, And then he and another guy were flagged after the touchdown for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. And that's what they threw the flag on. So Venables was mad because he thinks it should have been, there should have been a flag during the the play when he was running. And I guess technically by the rule, that should have been a flag, but I think that's a terrible rule anyways. Like you should not, there should not be a penalty that takes away a touchdown because the guy, so anyway, I mean, but whatever. So that that happened, okay. And the the penalty didn't even really help OU because they started at their own twenty five because uh, Julio Farouk's return wasn't that great. But to Oklahoma's credit, they were able to go down the field and get into field goal range. But you said you didn't see that play uh, with eight seconds to go. They took a shot to the end zone to Jaden Gibson, and the corner cut in front of Gibson and, and picked it off in the end zone. And I thought it was a really nice defensive play. They called P.I. on him. They, I think they said that he came from behind and tugged from behind. On the replay, they showed two replays. I didn't really see it. And I thought, I thought it, if, it was a, if it was Woody Washington or Gentry Williams playing DB there in corner, I'd have been mad they, they threw the flag there because I thought it was a good defensive play. And that saved Oklahoma three, uh, gave Oklahoma three points, uh, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess yeah, it's, it's one of those no, no, things yeah, where it just – yeah. I just – I'm not – OU didn't play well. They clearly did not play well, but they won. They won, and they're 7-0, and I'm happy about that. And I'm just not, hey, if they show up next week and they don't play well again, then okay. Like, yeah, we can maybe start getting a little nervous and being like, all right, what's going on again? We've seen them play really well this year. We know they're a lot better than what they showed. Like, and I guess, man, it's the end of October. They're in this thing. They're 7-0. and This is not something that has happened a lot, even for Oklahoma, in the last 20 years. Um, and also I, I suspect, and, and I don't want to do this exercise of, oh, plays a close game and, and we're just like, oh, that team's actually really good. Just watch how they're going to be. But I mean, a lot of the analytical models, SP plus FPI, all of those says that that was the, that was the best team that they play, that they're going to play the rest of the season. So I, and I don't know if that's the case. I, there's a lot of like results and stuff like that and records that suggest that's not the case, but I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. Go look at UCF's schedule. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they went out. If, 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 well, if they're healthy and they're still... It's still... They've played five bad quarters this year. We got the UCF that did not play those five bad quarters. Yeah, they played a lot better and obviously Plumlee being... By the way, I think we, we, we found out it's John Rise Plumlee, not that... Yep. So it's... Yep, that's uh, correct. It's which, Rise. We should have known that. I, they were calling that all year. So uh, the thing is, though, that bothers me about it is... He still he was certainly a lot more healthy than he was a couple weeks ago because I went back and rewatched that you know those series he had against um, Baylor and yeah like you were saying he he was he looked so bad like hobbled I mean he took himself out of the game and then they brought him back in he just he couldn't move and so I I was I was like how is he going to be even better what you know about 11, 12 days later and he was certainly better I mean there was a there was one play where he he cut up field and ran straight line I think in the maybe the third quarter or maybe second quarter, I don't know, where he was like, okay, he looks, he looks okay. But I think it was pretty clear he's not anywhere near where he normally is because he's one of the best runners for quarterbacks in the nation when he's healthy. 
And the fact that they were able to have that much success offensively against Oklahoma's defense when Plumlee was still very clearly not healthy, that's that bothered me because I I think I put it this way I think if Oklahoma's offense would have play come out of the gate just as strong as the defense they get a twenty one nothing lead or something I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have pulled Plumlee and brought in the other guy because I just don't think it was working and it clearly wasn't I mean they hadn't gotten a first down until the very last snap of the first quarter and if they would have actually been in a situation where they're down by multiple scores I don't know if Gus Malzahn could have could have stayed with Plumlee but. The way the game played out, they could, and, and he ended up getting, you know, he settled in, and he was, he's not a bad passer, really, at least, I know, like, historically, he kind of has been, but against Boise State, he wasn't, and I think against OU, I know his numbers aren't great, but I thought he was decent throwing the football. Yeah, I did too. I, I thought whenever, um, whenever he, he was protected well and he had a good pocket, I thought he was an accurate passer. He, he doesn't have a strong arm at all, but he's accurate when he's got a good pocket and a good base to throw mm-hmm. from. Um, and luckily, you know, o- OU was pressured him quite a bit in this game. He there were only a few instances where he had a lot of time back there. Uh, so, d- start of the second half. Second half started off very poorly. Uh, OU, you know, tied it up going into the locker room. They get the ball, but then all of a sudden, OU uh, Dylan Gabriel throws a pick. Not his fault. Uh, he he waited too long there to throw it to Drake Stoops. As I watched the replay, I'm not, again, I'm not sure how much of this stuff you've really seen, but uh, Drake clearly felt footsteps and that's probably that's why he dropped it uh it was his bread basket but he made contact and it was immediately hit the ball gets popped in the air interception ucf ball in plus territory thankfully the defense came right away sudden change situation and didn't give up anything and of course ucf's kicker comes in and makes it 20 to 17 by the way ucf's kicker has been kind of inconsistent but he's got a big old leg boomer and uh so of course he was nails against oklahoma so I just the way the the way the second half played out. I mean, here's the thing. I was at the game with our friend Brady Trantham and at the end of the third quarter, it was 23 17. The offense was sputtering. UCF had the football and Brady was like, you know, what? I, I can't this. I can't take this. I, I, I got to get out of here. Like they're playing poorly. You know, I said, you know what, Brady, if UCF gains yards on this next play, we're out of here. And UCF gained like four yards. So we left, man, in protest, <laughs> went back to the tailgate. Uh, and, and watch the rest of the game there. So then again, I guess you could think you know, maybe that we were the reason. We were the reason why Oklahoma was playing so poorly in person. We left, and they started playing better. So got that going for us. Interesting. I never feel that way when I'm there in person. I only feel that way when I'm watching it on TV. It always feels, when you're there in person, it always feels more gettable. It always feels more realistic that they're going to do something. Yeah. It just, uh, I mean, I, I, I never got to a point where I thought they were going to lose. Uh, if they certainly you know went down by two scores, then I would have felt that way. But I was not happy with the way they were playing, and it was easy to. Go. I mean, it was the weather was beautiful. I was like, you know what, I'm I'm kind of over it. Um, I don't mind just going and watching it at the tailgate, and we did. And um, starting the fourth quarter, I started playing better, and I, I mean, good on Oklahoma's offense. They finally started getting the run game going. Gavin Sawchuk and Marcus Major actually had a lot of some good runs. And I think that was the key. They were able to finally start to soften up that UCF defense with the run game in the fourth quarter. And what do you know? The offense opened up. Uh, they they get the, you know Drake Stoops scores a touchdown. Very nice job by Jake Drake Stoops. I believe also Jaden Gibson. I think was a uh, you know, very nice blocking on that touchdown. And then uh, credit to the Oklahoma defense getting the football back. And uh, you know one of the big plays of the game was on third and six when it was twenty four twenty three and Peyton Bowen blitzes off the edge. Picks up a big old sack on Plumlee to get Oklahoma the football back, uh, like forces a punt, and there was uh, that was the, the the scenario where Oklahoma gets the ball back, goes down, and uh, was able to score to make it a 31-23 game. And one of the bigger plays on that drive was a third down and nine pass by Dylan Gabriel from the far hash all the way to the sideline and Nick Anderson on on third and nine again for a first down. Granted, UCF was offsides on the play, so even if they wouldn't have converted, Oklahoma would have gotten another shot at it. But on third and long, uh, great throw by DG, great job by Nick Anderson bringing it in. So that was the the big play of that drive. And the very next snap was Gavin Sawchuk's 30-yard touchdown run to make it 31-23 with 3.13 to go. So how much of that did you get a chance to see? Not a lot. I was kind of in and out there. I saw the, um, like, I didn't even see the, I had about a five minute stretch there where I was having to 
put my phone into airplane mode and out of airplane mode to try to get back to bars and stuff like that. And I was able to get a connection to YouTube TV right when like the touchdown score bug was happening after the Drake touchdown. So I, I honestly didn't see really any of that drive at all. And, uh, and so that drive, uh, sorry, I was just saying like, that drive, the Drake drive that gave Oklahoma the lead, the Drake drive, uh, that was really where the running game started going. Um, it was a second down run by Sawchuck for seven. They gave it to him again on the next play. He picks up eight. Uh, then they go deep, incomplete on first down, second down, back to Gavin Sawchuck for eight yards. Then he picks up five. They finally started going consistently to Gavin Sawchuck. And then they, they do exactly what Marcus Major does in his comfort zone. They swing it out to Marcus Major on the edge. He picks up 12 on second down and 10. Uh, and then, uh, oh, actually, I take that back. He, he gets a swing pass. Then on second down and 10, Marcus Major picks up 12 between the tackles. That's his best run of the day uh, because between the tackles, we know he's not great. Uh, and so the, the, the running game was going, and then it was on the next play where uh, Drake Stoops made the touchdown catch so uh, that was big and then it was the other the next series where Oklahoma goes you know forces three and out Billy uh, Billy uh, Peyton Bowen gets the blitz that gives Oklahoma the football back I did see the the Peyton Bowen sack I was fired up I was still on the still on the golf course there and I did a did a large yelp after that one that was a massive play um yeah I a lot of the stuff that I've kind of read and listened to in the wake of the game I've heard this from a lot of people where it's just like people have been saying, yeah, it's clear that Sachuk is the guy moving forward. Um, I'll need to go back and rewatch before I, you know, before I definitively say anything there. But while I was watching the game and while I was watching the offense stall and struggling to run the ball, it just was more cemented in my mind that Tawi is clearly the guy. And Tawi would have been very valuable in this game. Yeah, it- I, I certainly would not say it's clear that Gavin Sachuk's the guy going forward, but this is a Sachuk still looks like the Sachuk we've seen all year by my eyes. He looked a little bit better, uh, but still, like he finally got a little bit more opportunity. Granted, he didn't do himself any favors at the start of this game. Grant, uh, they I saw they I were, saw all of that. I saw all of that. Okay. Yeah, and he it was clear. I mean, it kind of seems like right. You know that the very first drive, it was like, oh wow, Sachuk must be pretty paramount in this game plan because they were trying to get the, in the ball and. Um, yeah, he, he, he misses the direct snap. He drops the, the, the swing pass that probably would have gone for pretty good yardage by, by my eyes. Um, yep, it was blocked. And, and then, and also, you know, his 30 yard touchdown run, that was just the best blocked run of the entire season so far that there was just, I, Marcus major would have scored on that too. Oh, it was blocked well. I mean, I think he ended up, I think he maybe broke one tackle, but sure, maybe he would have scored. Uh, but it's, it's good to see him just get consistent carries. And there was, a couple times in the game, there was one time in the game where Marcus Major was given four straight carries uh, in a situation where it's I, I want to see more of that with Gavin Sachuk. And Mar- Major was like it was like five yards, four yards, three yards. Five, I mean, nothing special. But I want to see you know, go consistently to Gavin Sachuk because there was one other series where uh, Sachuk was in and Gabriel was pulling a lot of like a, a lot like it was it was a series where they ended up punting and Gabriel was pulling it and like RPOs where. At least one of them, it looked like if he just would have given it to Sawchuk, there was good blocking around the edge on the left side. But it's almost like Gabriel was like, you know what, I'm just going to keep the ball in my own hands here. And again, but Sawchuk has not done himself any favors. I mean, the start of the game, like you said, did not go well. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some hesitation on Gabriel sometimes to give him the ball because he's just he has not taken advantage really of his opportunities. But I want to see him get more carries, more carries, because I think he'll get more comfortable. And he's got to be more of a thing moving forward. So at least... This game with Tawi not available, this gave him a chance to actually get more opportunities, even though it didn't start well. But it ended well, though. He he played a lot better as the game went on. Uh, he's getting ch- some chunk runs, gets a touchdown, and so hopefully that will be a thing that hopefully Tawi Walker can be back. But yeah, they need him. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's definitely not clear that Gavin's the guy going forward. I mean I think I think Major did. I mean Major was Marcus Major. He was mostly kind of mad to not good, but he also had a, a you know a handful of like okay yeah there we go that's nice that's good job uh, by Marcus Major. Granted, on another play, Marcus Major very half-heartedly tried to block a corner uh, on a reverse and failed, and Farouk was able you know was tackled. So it's like I thought he was like you know his pass pro was supposed to be pretty good, and I was pretty disappointed by his effort on on the edge blocking a defensive back on one play. But overall, I think Major was Major. Gavin Sachuk was a little bit better. And they need to get the running game going better, though. I, I think that was the biggest reason why the offense sputtered because Dylan Gabriel was he was fine, but uh, UCF's pass defense was pretty good in that game. I think overall. Yeah, I, I agree. They need to get the running game going, but also at the same time, 
things that I'll point out and like I need to rewatch it again. But I did not notice really any sort of concerted effort to get Dylan Gabriel going in the run game. I did not see that QB draw that they run very well once. I don't think they ran it once, which is their best QB run play. Um, I also did not. I saw very little swing passes and screen passes out to the receivers. Very little. They're playing. I'm. I want them to run the ball. I really, really want them to run the ball. While I was watching the game, I was wondering to myself, have they accepted that they're just not a very good running team yet? And have they done everything they possibly can to make them as to make themselves as good as possible, accepting that reality? And I don't. And, well, and this is, game, though, they, in this game, that was, it did not seem to be the case. Well, the, the issue was though they didn't really try to run the ball that much at, at the start, which I guess to your point, they're like, oh, we're not a very good running team. But when they actually finally started to, to drill in on it on their best drives and actually try to run it, they had some success. And so that's the thing is like when you're going up against that type of defense that has one of the worst rush defenses in college football, you got to keep at it. And when they finally did start keeping at it because they they had to, it worked for them. And so they did, you know, they did their typical throw the ball out to the receivers on the edge. They did that a handful of times. Like, do you mean like you want to see some more maybe like butt like, you know, motion and like swing the bubbles? Out to the receiver? I, I mean, Farouk needs to catch at least three or four balls behind the line of scrimmage every game as an extension of the run game. Um, I need to see that with Nick Anderson as well. Like that stuff, they their receivers block really well. Lean into that. Um, I, it's yeah. I, I and I, I've I've also seen a lot of people criticizing Jeff Lebby and everything for this game. I you know I have to go back and watch it again. Um, I I don't know, man. I just to me this just really does feel like a man. They they played a team that is more talented than their record indicates. They played a team that played pretty well and uh OU themselves did not play well and they got out of dodge with a win and um I'm I totally conceding that I'd probably feel differently if I was sitting on my couch watching it with everybody else um but and maybe I just have last year so fresh in my mind man I just appreciate the hell that they won the game I and they did not have their fastball they didn't even have their second pitch and they still were able to execute down the stretch and and uh and win the game and so it's one of those where it's just if they if they show up next weekend in Lawrence and they they play well and they kind of they do what they're supposed to do everyone's gonna forget about this game and I we've we, we've 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 seen too much good that you know that uh that devalues what we saw in this game I think earlier in the season and um I'm just I, I'm not too concerned about it yet I'm just I'm really really not so get better I mean you got to get better I'm concerned about kicking but also like I'm not going to sit here and and like my thoughts on it are going to be the same if you listen to this podcast for seven years you know how I feel if you're leaning on your kicker you're losing (laughs) yeah Uh, they're kind of big wrinkle they were trying to get going yesterday was giving Gavin Freeman carries in the backfield like they'd motion him into the backfield I did that two or three times and they're just really trying to kind of get him going. And I sure if you're going to do stuff like that, I want to see Jillo Farouk get more of that. Or heck, even like Jaquez Petaway. I don't know. Like you're going to give it to a receiver. I just we've seen like Freeman can be okay, but I I, I don't know. Like he needs it's very specific where he needs to get the ball. Uh, and I don't know if like behind the line of scrimmage is really it. <laughs> him trying to like be a running back. I don't know. I get that he yeah, was, there great was one, in high school. They, he was. But and yeah, I, I mean there was a play really that he. Much. And he got stopped on third down on a play. It's it's that little that little jump off pass that they usually run for Drake. And that was on Gavin. You gotta get the first down there. Have to. And that was just gotta, him going turn up field. That was him it. just going horizontal. And you just you just go north and south. You, you get that first down easily. They blocked it and they got it. He was just trying to go around and and that was huge. That was a really big big time in the game, too, where it was just yep. him just not not following his blocks and not doing what he's supposed to do there. Can't do that. You just I, and I'm that stuff is frustrating, and so, but hopefully you can clean that stuff up because usually they're pretty good on stuff like that. Let's see what else we got. Um, I mean, defensively, I, Trace Ford flashed, uh, with the exception of then when he lined up offsides, that was not great. But he had a couple some big plays in this game. Also had a really bad play where he decided to square up with one of the running backs for UCF. Instead of just trying to get outside leverage and push him inside, that resulted in a long, like, 15-yard run and gave up, gave up a first down, which I don't know what that was. I guess he overestimated his athleticism. But overall, I thought he played well. I'm trying to think of, like, like Ethan Downs had a really good game. Really good game by Ethan Downs. Doing his job, keeping contained. I think he had a sack. Uh, 
very, very good. I, I thought Kanick and Stutzman, for the most part, were good. Uh, save from Kanick's really bad unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that cost Oklahoma points. I didn't see. Uh, I didn't see that. What happened? I didn't. That was a service was going so, in and out when that happened, and there's also not a good replay of it. There, there wasn't the best replay, but it was. You saw the goal line stand. It was third down. They pushed him back. I think. I think UCF probably kicks because they lost yardage. It's probably fourth and goal from the. I think it was like the two, two and a half yard line. I think they probably kick a field goal there. Canick, <laughs> Canick just comes in after the play's over with. There's two UCF linemen on the ground getting up, and he just bends down and is like is barking at him, yelling, like saying stuff to him. And they did a cutaway to him, and he like tapped his chest like yeah that's 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 my bad that's on me like he knew he, he did something wrong and it's like he wasn't even involved in the play he was just talking crap for and like bending over and like really making sure that they heard him it's like come on man that's you can't do that and i get that uh it's cheap whatever there it's sure but like it'd be one thing if he was the guy that made the play he wasn't even involved in the play so just go back to the hut like get out of there man so that cost them points uh, yeah, no, I mean, can't do that. It's dumb. Just shut your mouth, even though it's kind of, I don't know if that... It's, it's ticky-tack, but they, I, I, it's, they, it's, they throw it's ticky-tack, it. It's ticky-tack. And also, can I like just say this? If, if they are going to call that on Canik, it's totally understandable why Venables is upset that they didn't call the, the blowing to the kiss to the sideline. It's totally understandable. It's kind of the yeah. same thing. It's, it's really is the same thing. That, I actually like, wonder if they didn't them, even see them throwing it, that flag totally on Canick gave UCF a touchdown, and UCF had a touchdown there, but they did he did commit a penalty there, and yes, logic dictates that it would make sense for that touchdown to be put off the board. But like, I agree. So it makes me wonder if they if they missed. But the, it doesn't matter. They the won. It's over. Thing, they won. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go to the West of Everest Facebook page for some three word reviews. I'll just say, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't anticipate reading them all, but I'll, I'll read some of them. Um, <laughs> I'll start with Steven. <laughs> Steve, Steven's definitely more of the glass half empty guy. Or yeah, maybe, maybe not. He says, what was that? It was a win. It was a win in a very interesting situation. Uh, Hamp Martin says, win, move on. Justin says, closer than expected and just keep winning. Uh, Matt says, concerning run game, yes, uh, until the fourth quarter. I agree, until the fourth quarter, they finally got it going. And he also says, Matt says, paging Gavin Marshall. And so Gavin Marshall, the the other kicker on the roster. And so, yeah, it makes you kind of wonder. So you haven't really talked about Zach Schmidt's two misses. I know he he was perplexed. His second one, I'm not sure if you saw a good replay or a good angle, but his the second miss, uh, Schmidt thought he might have made it. But you know, you, I watched it again. It, it, it was wide right. It was kind of close, but it was wide right. At least he, he hit the chip shot to go into the locker room, but, uh, and he made all his extra points. But clearly there's a kicking issue, and Oklahoma might have a kicking problem. Do you go to, the, to another guy? Uh, why not give him a chance, I guess, at this point? You want to know what my take is? Zach Schmidt's bad. He was bad last year. He's been bad this year. The guy behind him is almost certainly bad as well. Don't lean on them. Accept that and work around it. And, like, I get it. His first miss when it was, like, fourth and 20, yeah, you got to kick that. But... I just, I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's like one of those things that I just don't really want to talk a lot about because it's not that interesting. He's a bad college kicker. He's a, they're a dime a dozen. And there's really, yeah. there is no correlation. There's no correlation with which, like with which programs have good kickers. Some terrible teams have incredible kickers. Some great teams have terrible kickers. That's why I hate college kickers. It's, just, it's, it's not something that you should ever lean on ever, ever, ever. Well, the thing is, though, the I mean, for basically like seven or eight years, though, Oklahoma had pretty hard to kick with Seibert and then Burkich. So Burkich, like Oklahoma's kind of got after after 2019. Burkich wasn't reliable. Nah, he was he was definitely more reliable than Schmidt's been, unfortunately. I think Schmidt started out really well, like really hot last year, and then as the season went on, it was like okay. Uh, on the upside, uh, Luke Elzinga had a good day punting the ball. I thought uh, he's he's been in and out. He hasn't really punted that much this year. The he's transfer. And so, fortunately, that part of the, their game was better. Uh, pinned UCF deep a few times, and the, unfortunately, the Oklahoma defense gave up some yardage back after that. But at least the punting game was better. Maybe Elzinga will be the guy moving forward instead of Plaster. So I just wanted to mention that. I thought he did, he did some nice things in the punting game. Let's see. But, uh, let's yeah, see. I mean, it's just it's, 
punting, obviously, yeah, I mean, it, that was nice to see because I guess yeah, their, their punting game would kind of been shockingly bad. Um, it kind of makes you wonder why. And Elzinga has pretty much looked good every single time he's been out there. I, I don't, I don't know why they were given plaster any sort of run whatsoever. But who knows? Well, that may be over now. <laughs> Matt says survive in advance. Trey says one and O. Oh. Uh, more on the kicker. Tim says, intramural soccer player. <laughs> that's, I think that's who wants the, the kick now moving forward. Let's see. Caleb says, 7-0. and oh. Michael says, L in 2022. So, yeah, I mean, I know it's a talking point. Like, did they lose this game last year? Probably. I mean, that's kind of the way it played out. They lose this game in 2021. They, in 2021, they lose that game by three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, they won games like that in 2021 because um, they won a lot of close games in 2021. That's what they do. Or that's what they did. Uh, and, you know, I guess we haven't really mentioned this. Like, another uh, 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 reason to be excited and just not necessarily excited, but like happy with just a win there is Oklahoma now has more wins than they had all of last season. <laughs> Oklahoma now is at 7 0. So, like, we'll take that. Phillips yeah, says. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so happy they won. I'm happy they won. Like I said it on the, on the preview podcast that the, the game, this, this game specifically just felt weird to me. And it. You know, I've been saying it. This UCF and Kansas game, this is it. These are the two. These are the two danger games. Well, Philip says Grant was right, as in that was a trap game. And he also says everyone stay calm. Let's see a couple more here. David says Sawchuck's the guy. I certainly want him to be the guy. Yeah, I, I do think eventually, if he gets more of these opportunities, he's going to have to end up being the guy. He just he has more talent than anybody else right now in the running back room, except for maybe the freshman. We never get to see the freshman play, so who knows? Uh, let's see. Also, David says Lee's Hawks lose. I, I I guess that's the Hawkeyes because I don't like I don't like Iowa. So yeah, how about that, Grant? Uh, old old Minnesota knock it off Iowa. By the way, did you see how that like the the terrible break that Iowa got though in that game? I'm sure you did. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling on that one. I I thought it was I was confused. It was like watching it live in my head. It was clear he called for a fair catch. I saw like you know when you when you slowed it down, um, it's I I I can understand why Iowa fans are really upset. It's but also at the same time, it's very reasonable to think that other people thought on the field that he called a fair catch. I think I I'm shocked to hear you say that because to me it looked like he was obviously he just he was like waving people away. Don't don't get by it. Don't get like he never put the, his arm above his his head. Like, he got if you, if you really your, close. I mean, it was close enough to where you had to think about it for sure. Really? I I thought it was I, like it I was said. Just, it was. Clearly, I'm just saying, watching it live in real time, I was like, oh, he just called a fair catch. I absolutely thought he did. Huh. I mean, I didn't but see like, it live also, in real time. I, mean, I just I'm the uh, I just don't care about that stuff. I, I just I just don't. Iowa is that is Iowa does have the worst offense in all of college football. It's terrible. Iowa had like four yards of total offense in the second half of that game. No part of them deserved to win that game. I don't care. It's karma that they that, that got overturned. <laughs> it's, I mean, but like I saw the highlight of that and I saw the guy go for a touchdown. I was like, oh, wow, like touchdown. Then I saw the flag. I was like, why was there a flag? And they show the replay of like that. They thought they called that a fair. Like, first of all, the fact you can review, like they call that a fair catch. Like what? I thought that was awful. But yeah, sure. Why not? Like they're. I was there. It's a very annoying team. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Hunter says, let down win. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Ellen says, almost threw up. And the last one on the West Everest Facebook page we'll go with is Shane. Uh, this is funny. Seven and oh my God. <laughs> Seven and OMG. <laughs> uh, it makes me laugh. And I'll go over to Twitter slash X for some more as well. Read a few of these. Okay, Boomer Sooner says rat poison real. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they, you know, a lot of, they, for a week and a half, two weeks, they listened to how good they were. And maybe that, I know after the game, Venables and the player said the Texas game had nothing to do with it. Sure, it probably didn't. But, you know, again, that was uh, based off of the way football goes and especially college football, all the different scenarios and the thing, like that was not a good spot for Oklahoma. It was a great spot for UCF. Uh, Andrus Me says, found a way. Steve Bullard says, Gloria Gaynor song. 
Indeed, I will survive. Let's see. The real Gary Busey <laughs> says full of mistakes. Uh, some, a lot of more negative stuff here on Twitter X. Longtime listener Josh says survive in advance. And I, it says celebrated too long. And so like, we never really talked about this. Uh, did you watch that long post-game thing the social media team put out after the Texas game that made it seem like Oklahoma just won the national championship, it felt like? Yeah, I saw it. I don't really have any I mean, opinions. I, I thought it was I thought it was cool. I call me a normie. Call, I I like I like the Danny Stutzman thing. I like that line. I think it's cool. It's a cool line. I yeah, there was there was part of me while watching it. I was like, ah, guys, let's calm down. This isn't uh, this wasn't the national championship game. But also, I'm I'm also kind of OU Texas is a really big deal. It's a really really big deal. It's. Uh, I thought the the Sutton thing was great. It makes me. I, I kind of wonder if that if he had some help with that line because that's a really great line from a college kid. I, I like he said that. I was like, ooh, that's pretty good. Like, did somebody give him that before the game? Did I, I? I'd be shocked if he thought of that himself. But maybe maybe he did. Uh, so that was good. I thought the video was great up until the the kickoff of the game, and then the video did not know what it wanted to do because I just thought like. The lead-up was great, and then the game highlights. I thought was it was very flat, and I kind of stopped watching because I thought it was awful. But, but I think yes. Uh, can I and and I mean we're just literally getting into preference of um, highlight tapes with music over the background is awful. It is the dearth of creativity. Stop doing it. But also, yeah, it's, that's why it was bad. You're just doing. That's why it was doing. bad. It was it was not particularly good or interesting. So I didn't even see the ending. So I don't even know what happened at the end. Like once it got to that, and I was like, oh, this is this is now this is not good anymore. Uh, but I thought leading up to the kickoff of the game was very well done. But yes, yeah, Texas, OU Texas, big deal, big win. I'm on the I'm in the minority here. It's it's one game. It's one game. Have fun, celebrate, move on. But that again, that's a social media team. It's a social media world. People loved it. Great. That's awesome. I guess I I, I shouldn't be the guy that ran on people's parade. That's fine. Uh, it, it was cool for me at the first part, but uh, that's that's about it. Uh, Gonzo Strangelove, you always put a million three word reviews. I'll read a couple of them. Uh, run game anemic until late. Fair. Uh, solid defensive performance. Yep, I think that's fair too. Uh, UCF DBs excellent. I, I don't know if they're excellent. I thought they're they're pretty good. They're they're definitely good. Better than I thought uh, they would be. And then also, hey, we won. <laughs> Uh, Zach says better than 2022. Chris says new kicker, please. Uh, John sums it up, says it beats losing. Uh, Dan always has some good ones. I like this one. Bowen went mowing. Bowen sack, big play there. Uh, another good one it says came, saw, chucked. <laughs> Not bad. Like, save that one maybe for like a, a bigger Gavin Sawchuck game. You know, that would be that'd be good. Uh, and P two three five seven zero has a Robert Downey Jr. GIF of him kind of with like a eh kind of look, and he says, "Could be worse." Indeed, could absolutely Michael. be worse. I, I mean, Texas fans feel way worse. They they struggled with a much worse team, in my opinion. And Quinn Ewers was injured. Not sure the significance of the injury. You see, it was it was but, a Guaybu uh, who got him. Oh, really? I didn't see that. No, I didn't it was. see him get hurt. That's wow. That's very interesting. Uh, lastly, Michael says, didn't have fun and please beat Kansas. <laughs> and, uh, lastly, Carl says Lincoln Riley esque. Yes and no. Uh, at least in this particular game, it was surely 2021 kind of eking out a win at home, but at least Oklahoma had the previous six games of way different play that were not like, Oh, that was, that's the way it's been all season long. But I get the point on that last three word review. Thank you all for your three-word reviews. I know I didn't read them all. I appreciate all of you getting, uh, getting them in here, but we're, we're kind of going a little bit quickly through this episode. Uh, by the way, speaking of Lincoln Riley, USC, another loss. Maybe this, this, maybe this is it, man. That, that's uh, you know field goal, back-to-back -back losses. Now they got to play at Cal. Not that uh, this, I mean, whatever, end of the show. But uh, I get the sense, though, Grant, that I don't know if Lincoln Riley will make it to the Big Ten in USC. It's kind of a feeling. This might be it think, for him. I think everybody needs to kind of calm down on that in that regard. Just I don't know. I mean, yeah, that would be funny and everything. I it's We don't know. We don't Maybe, know necessarily like, what's going on. I mean, obviously things are 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 wrong there. Things are are kind of off. Um that was 
And I watched that entire game. That was a just kind of removing just sort of the the emotions and the ties to that game. That was a really spectacular college football game. That it was really entertaining. It was really fun to watch. And um the one thing that I just like while watching it, it was USC scored so quickly to go up and there was still like a minute and 40 left and I, I was just it was so hard for me not to think like man, they screwed up that situation big time. And hmm. Um, I mean, they gave Utah a minute and 40 seconds with three timeouts to go down the field, which, I mean, does Lincoln Riley know it? Like, against that defense, Lincoln Riley just has to know we're screwed here, right? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I didn't get a chance to, like, really see it that closely. I, I saw the last part of it, but, uh, yeah. And also, the, I mean, did you see the, the big time, the third down run, their, the quarterback scramble run, which was oh, just yeah. the most... Oh, yeah. That was it. I mean, that was it. How many, like, that is the thing that we just saw over and over and over again. That exact freaking play in in a scenario just like that when you just couldn't have it. And. Yep. And they had it. And you know what? And and we talked about it last week. And and Alex Grinch is, is, he is going to be the sacrificial lamb. He's going to get fired after this year. And you know what? If Lincoln Riley still stays there to see the Big Ten and all of that, that same stuff is going to continue to happen in the exact same way. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if he ends up, does, you know, if he does stay, because, yeah, you're right. Like, there's no way they can go into the Big Ten with Grinch as their D.C. But, again, like, this is on Riley. This is a Riley thing. He's, he's the same guy. And you know what? Great. I'm happy he's the same guy. Because, like I said before, I was really worried that they, they'd make adjustments and they'd be different and they'd be better. So we'll see what happens. If he does stay, yeah, I'd be very curious to see who he ends up going after and who he thinks is the next guy that can be his defensive coordinator because I just have no clue which direction he would go. And then also watching the game yesterday, it was my stance was even hardened. Their, their receivers aren't, aren't, are not particularly good. USC, that is. Gotcha, gotcha. Another couple games just worth mentioning. Uh, we, you know, we were right about Ohio State, although it wasn't a massive blowout, but they covered. Disappointing, really hoped Ohio State would just run away and hide. But Penn State are who we thought they were. I mean, their offense. I didn't get a chance to watch that game closely because it was going on during the OU game. Kind of curious to go back and watch it to see what Penn State's offense looks like. I'm guessing it probably looks exactly the way it always looks. Very mediocre uh, to not very good. So that one, it, I guess you were on the golf course, so you didn't get to see that game either. But uh, Can I tell you a quick little story about this game? So Sure. It was uh, my friends this weekend, they, um, they introduced me to an app that's called Prize Picks. You ever heard of this? You ever heard of this? Prize picks. I've heard of prize picks. Yes. So it's essentially, I mean, it's 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 legalized. It's the only legalized gambling that you can sports gambling in Minnesota, and it's just it's, like it's just over unders, right? It's it's just individual over unders for players, and you parlay them together. Yeah. And uh, and so that's I, I did I did like I did a little three leg parlay of that uh, for the eleven a.m. games, and uh, what did I do? I did I did some yardage and a couple of oh I did um. Kyle McCord over like 234 and a half yards passing, which he hit pretty easily. Um, and I did another one in a separate game that I wasn't paying attention that hit the over easily. But then the last leg of it, Lee, was Drew Aller under 181 and a half passing yards. And <laughs> Drew Aller got, he hits the over on that on Penn State's last offensive snap of the game oh. in garbage time. I was so upset about that. Because I, I did see that he was under 200. I guess I didn't know that he... Okay, I thought he was... That's, that's a bad beat. That's rough. It was a bad beat. Because it was one of those, right? The handicap was correct. It was... I thought Drew Aller was probably not very good. I mean, if they're like... We talked last week about when I said, like, I saw his passing chart. And he's only even attempted, like, three or four throws this year over 20 yards down the field. And... That usually means that they're not hiding. So it usually means he's not capable of doing it. Yeah, and that's why I want to go back and watch the game or see the game and see if he did take shots against Ohio State. Because uh, did you watch the James Franklin press conference video I sent you uh, during the week? I did not. No, I saw that you sent oh. it to me when I was texting you this morning. But was that the one you were talking about where he? Yes. Yeah. So, okay, I guess I would explain why you didn't reply. Because yeah, you're yeah you'll you'll enjoy it. So after this after the show, watch it. Uh, I I really hoped Ohio State would win the game by 50 points because James Franklin is an absolute jerk to this guy, and he knows exactly what he's asking, and he and he just totally yeah. So sorry, uh, 
So watch it. Yeah, uh, it's good. It'll, it'll give more context yeah. to what I was talking about in the show. And part of me here, just like super stupid partisan OU fan, even though OU never had a chance in this anyway. I see a guy like Dante Cephas who went to Penn State, and they are just in a, in, in a, in a passing game that is not explosive. It doesn't even really seem like they try to do to be explosive. And I'm just like, why did you go there? Well, he obviously knew that Oklahoma's receiving core was so deep, man. He couldn't yeah, play I mean, it, yeah, OU. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> and, like, yeah, I, I don't have to. I mean, they got, like, in terms of, like, the transfer receivers, like, Andrew Anthony was not particularly, like, aggressively pursued by other teams. or And he's he's clearly been, before he got hurt, yeah. was probably one of the biggest transfer receivers in the country up, up, up to that point. So, man, going over what a the, weird... Um, what a weird, yeah. weird season so far, which is, which is great. It's cool. I love it. Man, so another, I'm just going over the top 25, looking at the scores and just commenting on, uh, how, man, Tennessee. We were, we were right on the handicap of Tennessee. They blew a 20-7 to halftime lead. They get outscored 27 to nothing in the second half. And Tennessee could have done us all a favor and put Alabama out of its misery this year to we're not having this whole charade because I know a lot of people out there in the college football world are still trying to pretend like, oh, you know, and I shouldn't say pretend because now Alabama just won and they're, you know, they're 7-1. and one. But like, oh, you know, Alabama's kind of sneaking up there and, you know, who knows, like, they can still come back and be in the playoff and they certainly can. But it, like Alabama's offense is very, like, is very average right now. And granted, they were able to figure it out against Tennessee and they got a a defensive touchdown to end up covering the number yesterday, Grant, late in the game. And it's just, that's frustrating. So like, come on, Josh Heupel. <laughs> like, My thoughts on that, that are, I go for it. I, I'd love Alabama to get, oh, you can beat that team. It's just, yeah. Okay. That's, it's yeah. How about uh, the last thing I want to bring up just as we're going over Washington beating Arizona state 15 to seven. Very weird score. Arizona State. I watched really the. Uh, yeah, I watched pretty much Go that ahead. entire game last night. Oh, you did. It was I mean, it that, was weird. Like, Washington looked. Their offense was uh, dreadful. Was dreadful. I they didn't they they didn't score an offensive touchdown. Really, man. I mean, that's another. It's it's not a good spot for Washington coming off of that super emotional win over Oregon. But I mean, Arizona State. I know they played USC tough, but it's USC and they, they their defense is bad. Arizona State's not very good. They're playing better football now, but like Washington was not playing UCF like Oklahoma was. I mean, that's that's a game where the Washington, you think, okay, run away and hide, and huge hangover after the Oregon win. But, hey, just like OU, though, Washington survives and advances. So good for them. Absolutely. That was a weird Soli. That was a um, – that game was 7-6. to six. It was 7-6 to six with about six minutes to go in the game. And Arizona State had the ball inside Washington's 10-yard line, and they threw a pick six. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. So they oh were – so, and I, I think it was on – I think it – no, I think it may have been fourth down. It was fourth and short, and they were going for it, I think. And they were running – they were trying to run like a little like kind of slant to the opposite hash – and I, the quarterback just stared it down, and the, D, the DB was playing with a lot of cushion, and just he just jumped it, just took it, took it to the house. Wow. There's a lot of uh, good. Uh, I I, Dillingham, who is Arizona State's head coach, there was a, just a great replay shot of him, a reaction shot of him after, when he threw the pick. And it was just like, it was the most genuine look on his face of just like, oh, my God. Oh, no. He, like, <laughs> surrender cobered it. And... I, um, I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching him on the sidelines when they were playing USC. It was the day OU played Cincinnati. They were he had some pretty interesting. He could dial out some pretty interesting plays. So he, I don't. I mean, he, even though Arizona State's one and six, they clearly are playing hard for this guy. I guess uh, the last thing I got pretty lucky on my Florida State Duke handicap. Florida State with twenty one points in the fourth quarter to not only win but cover the number. So. I, you were you were right about the Duke uh, handicap for almost the entire game, and then Florida State just uh, yeah laid it on at the end. So that was a lucky one for me. I'll I'll admit that was lucky. Uh, but uh, boy, another interesting day in college football. Great season so far. Been fun. It's been a really good season. It's been fun, and 
There's just another, in terms of just like, I, I think it's clear that you can look at, it's pretty easy to say right now that Michigan is playing the best of anybody, but yep. you, you, you do have to caveat it. They have not played a, they haven't even played a mediocre team yet. What's the best team they played? Minnesota? Minnesota. The Gophers? I mean, the, the best offense they've seen, Indiana, maybe? Maybe it's Nebraska? Probably, it's probably still just Minnesota. No way. Minnesota's offense is terrible. Yes, they they have not. They haven't even played a mediocre offense this year. It's um, like and th- and this this is important because like it was, they I mean every like they were such a massive favorite over TCU last year, and the only team that they had played all year that had that could even simulate that sort of firepower was Ohio State last year. And you know, give them credit, they they kind of beat Ohio State like a drum, but it's it's really hard to cover multiple dudes who can hurt you at once. Michigan has not had to do that once. And like it's that's been the story of Michigan ever since Jim Harbaugh has been there. They kind of beat up on bad on on bad opposition, overmatched opposition, and as soon as they face someone who can challenge you, who can complete a forward pass and can also challenge you with explosive plays elsewhere, they kind of crumble. That has that's always been their MO under Jim Harbaugh. So we'll see we'll see what happens this year. I don't know. And and Penn State's offense is bad, so Ohio State is 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 truthfully the only good offense that they will face until they get to a hypothetical playoff situation. And an Ohio State's offense is 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 kind of a shell of what they've been in the past. Like OU's offense is probably a little bit better than Ohio State's this year, a little bit better. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. So I'm going through Michigan's schedule right now just to get, and I know that. SP plus would be a lot more telling for you, but this is just the easiest thing to look at right now. Just total offense. And technically it looks like the best offense they've faced is UNLV <laughs> in week two. UNLV is actually 41st in the nation right now in total offense. We're averaging uh, you know, a, a robust six yards per play. So, okay. But like it's UNLV. I, I can't imagine really playing anybody, but man, Grant East Carolina, their first game of the year, East Carolina, 130 in total offense. Bowling Green. Bear with me. Bowling Green, 125 in total offense. Rutgers, 109 in total offense. But a lot of hundreds here. Uh, Nebraska, 107 in total offense. Minnesota, 123 in total offense. Indiana. 118 in total offense. Man, the Big Ten is just. Do you say you say they played just, UNLV? Yes. Okay, UNLV is the best offensive is the best offense per SP plus they've played this year. 69th in the country. Okay, and they're 41st in total offense. So SP plus has them at 69th. Uh, what'd you say? Uh, what's UCF's? SP plus ranking in offense. Can you can you find that fast? Yeah, give me a second here. Or before. Okay. Then the last team they just UCF um, is twenty first on offense. Okay. Okay. And I mean they're obviously at, they're better with with Plumlee in there. Um, and the last team they just shut out Michigan State. And like here's the thing: Michigan has done exactly what it should do against these bad offenses. They're dominating them. Michigan State total offense one twelve. Literally every single. In total offense, I know SP Plus is different, but every single team Michigan has played except for one has been in the hundreds in total offense this year. That you say, oh, it's because they played Michigan because Michigan just destroyed them. It's slightly part of it, but that is wow. That is so bad. I would hope that Oklahoma's defense also would have. I mean, they wouldn't have as much success because Michigan clearly has very good defense, better in Oklahoma's. But I would hope that Oklahoma's defense would also have a lot of success against all of these teams that Michigan has played. I just, okay. I mean, well. my goodness, they're, yeah, I, that, that's, I, that's, it's just, it's just one of the easiest schedules I've ever seen from a, from a massive contender. It's unreal. Next up is Purdue, Grant, Purdue 80th right now in the nation in total offense. So, hey, there you go. Big step up. Then Penn State, Penn State right now 76th is 76th SP plus offense, Purdue. Where's Penn State? 
if you're if you're able to search it fat Penn State 60th right now in the nation in total offense Penn State averaging a robust 5.3 yards per play Penn State is 31st on offensive SP plus wow interesting Ohio State is 16th that will be the best offense that Michigan plays this year you know what isn't Maryland having a pretty good year Maryland could be could be feisty Maryland, Maryland right now averaging 6.1 yards per play on offense. Okay. Okay. It's at, it's in, uh, it's in college park. That is uh, and that's the week before Ohio state. So Penn state, Maryland, Ohio state, a, a decently interesting final three games for Michigan. Very fun. All right, Grant, that's about all I have. Any other final thoughts? I'm sure there's tons of this game. We didn't hit on. I know part of it was because you were kind of limited in, in your viewing experience. Man, I rewatched it this morning and took a bajillion notes, and I probably only mentioned maybe 20% of it, but that's okay. Maybe we'll be able to talk more about it uh, on our midweek Kansas podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm really happy that they won the game. That's, that is my takeaway. I'm, I, I'm just, especially after last season, I'm not taking, I'm not taking victories like that for granted anymore. I'm just not going to do it, especially when they're 7-0. and So, and, and another opportunity next week to get better, play better. And you know what? They're, they're going to go up against a, a defense that I, I just do not respect one lick next week. And if they, have, if they have a lot of the same offensive problems, then okay. Then we can start kind of scratching our head and saying, what, you know, what's going on here? But until then, I, I don't know. Like you said, I, I thought that was a perfect spot for UCF. And they, they were desperate. They had to come out and play well. And you know what? They didn't their their defense played well pretty much from the jump. Their offense took a while to get, you know, to settle down and everything. But a lot of that was because OU sort of punched them in the mouth. Yep, I hope that uh Billy uh, Billy. Well, Billy Bowman uh didn't play great. He his just randomly I I, I was going to say I hope Woody Washington got his like one bad game out of his system because he that was definitely his worst game of the year. Billy has a tough time with spatial awareness and coverage, man, like that third and 15, they gave up a 39 yard pass on the last UCF drive. That was on Billy. Uh, he, he's not anticipating where the routes go. And Billy also was in coverage on the touchdown at the end of the game too, where that was a little bit of a tougher play. They, they ran an over route and he was distracted by receivers in front of him, but still a guy that is a veteran player. You got to be aware of everything, your zone. And that came right into his zone and it was a touchdown. So Billy's got to get better. Like, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's a really good player. Uh, that's kind of his weakness, that part. So hopefully he kind of gets that flushed away. Hopefully Woody gets it flushed away, plays better. Uh, other than that, yeah, like the defense was really good. And, and you know, Dylan Gabriel, for the most part, is pretty steady. And hopefully the running back situation continues to improve after the fourth quarter. They can play off of that, and they can run the ball better against Kansas. And maybe we'll see more. You know, maybe Tommy Walker can play next week. We'll see. Who knows? I want to see more Tawi. As do I. All right. So we'll be back this week to talk OU and Kansas and anything else that is broken in the Oklahoma football world. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.